Stephanie Gabbert is the co-founder and CEO of Peak Nine, their organization empowering girls to become strong, confident women of the future through athletics and sport. Stephanie, excited to have you on. Welcome. Thanks, George. Excited to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Absolutely. Well, um, thanks for having me. You know, uh, I always like to have the opportunity to talk about Peak Nine and talk about some of these issues that I think are really important and becoming um, even more topical today um, with the mental health issues we see with our kids and um, confidence and self-esteem among girls that's been going down um, for a lot of other societal issues that are happening. So um, my organization's called Peak Nine, as you said, and I always like to start with, I've named it Peak Nine because the research shows that a girl's self-esteem peaks at age nine. Hmm. Uh, most people are kind of look at me sideways when I say that, um, but, you know, in the days now of the Google, um, you can Google that and a lot of articles will come up and, and kind of explain why that is or um, some other interesting facts around that. But um, basically, you know, Peak Nine kind of evolved out of my um, experience as a successful athlete. I was a soccer player, college after college, um, basically played at some of the highest levels you could play at during that time. Unfortunately, you know, there were no pro leagues um, or anything like that when I was that age. Um, and, you know, that morphed into uh, my coaching career, which I started doing as soon as I graduated and had the opportunity to coach at high level power five schools. Um, and also I spent about five years coaching full-time with our U S national teams with the youth teams. So, uh, I've worked with some, some of the highest level athletes, um, female soccer players, um, that, you know, play in this country, have played in this country and all along that route, um, confidence and self-esteem were always, uh, the biggest issues holding players back. Right. So, you know, most, most athletes, most parents of athletes think, you know, once they hit certain levels, all that's going to be sorted out, they're going to be good to go. Um, but honestly, it, it just gets more complicated, you know, as they go along that uh, spectrum. And myself and another um, coaching colleague of mine spent years just having conversations about why is this happening, <laughs> you know, um, and eventually that morphed into us um, creating Peak Nine. And, you know, part of Part of the origin story that I like to relay to people is for myself personally, um, you know, I, I wouldn't put myself in the category of having confidence issues as a young person. Um, you know, we've all struggled with that. Of course, I had my moments, but, you know, my experience was as a, as a kid, you know, I was a single parent household my mom, with my mom and I had an older brother and my mom was an activist, you know, she was involved in political movements and issues around empowering women back in the seventies. I was a kid. She didn't have time. She couldn't find me a babysitter. So I went, you know, so I was, I was at nine, 10, 11 years old and in marches, you know, and in all these meetings and around all these strong women, my entire childhood, you know, plus the women in my family, were very strong role models. And so 
I didn't know you were supposed to be any other way, hmm. you know, and my mom got me involved in sports when I was a kid because she thought that was another great way to, you know, empower me. And so I started realizing probably in my late teens and when I went to college that uh, not everybody had that experience, you know, and most of my friends, girls um, and teammates, kind of, a lot of them had opposite experiences. So there was a need. I saw that need for how do we how do we get this experience to other people and um, really went into the coaching world because that was my way of, of being able to go out and empower girls, you know, working with younger girls or college players or even uh, players older than that. Um, coaching was kind of my avenue to do that. So, um, you know, when I created Peak Nine, that was sort of a result of, you know, all that time in coaching and seeing what those things were and seeing how people respond in different situations. Um, but wanting to make that impact, particularly with the younger girls, because learning those skills at those younger ages is much more impactful and a better way to learn than when you're 22, 23, 24, now trying to learn how, to, how do you build confidence? Because I think as coaches, and I've done it myself, I did it for a long time, and it happens all the time. I hear it all the time. You hear coaches say to players, you just have to be more confident, you know, and that's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how do I do that? You know, no, there's not enough um, information out there for four coaches to do that consistently. And, you know, coaches aren't giving those tools to the players in order to, to build those skills. Just do it. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to, but I don't know how. I have no idea. So Exactly. Confidence and self-esteem, are they they're very similar? They're the same? They're different? They're different, but interrelated. Um, so, you know, that debate can go on forever and ever. But, you know, basically self-esteem is more about your value, how you value yourself. Um, so it's an, it's an inner thing. It's appreciating and valuing yourself. Confidence is more about the belief in your abilities, the belief that you can accomplish something. But the key factor in the confidence piece that gets skipped over is I, the belief that I can do something, but I'll be, I'll be okay if I don't. So if I fail, it's not the end of the world. And what started happening even more in the last probably five or six years is that, particularly with girls, sort of that fatalist attitude of, if I try something and I fail, you know, it's over. I'll never be able to do this again, or I'll, I'll, all my friends will disown me, or my parents won't talk to me, or all the things, whatever it is. It can be the smallest thing or the biggest thing they've ever wanted to try. But if there's one thing for, for younger people to learn and, and probably everybody, it's that I'll be okay if I don't is the most important part of that whole piece of that confidence building. Cause you can't get better at anything unless you try new things. And when you try new things, you're going to fail. So there's gotta be an expectation that that's part of the learning process. And uh, it's not going to devastate you, you know, forever and ever. 
you think and you've observed that that specifically in this example, women, um, ha- girls, there's been an increase in that kind of fatalistic attitude? Yes. So, um, you know, really social media plays the biggest part in that. Um, there's an increase in that uh, perfectionist, um, you know, striving for the perfection, which comes through social media and the images they see and you can be, you know, criticized and evaluated 24 hours a day now. Um, but, you know, and everything that kids do now is almost always shared somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Their parents are all excited. They're going to this tournament and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they don't have a great game and they lose. Well, that's shared to everyone, you know. Um, their friends all go to some event or something and they're not there. Well, that's all shared and they didn't get invited or they're not there. You know, there's just, um, it, it, it's a 24 and evaluation of you, not only of what you're doing or trying to achieve, but just who you are. And I think a lot of kids now are, they're not able to define that line between what you do, what you're trying to do and who you are. And so they all get kind of lumped together and, not everything works out great. So, and why would good. they be able to do that? It's not obvious that that that's um, it, it's so it's not it's very obvious when you describe everything gets shared, good, bad, or ugly, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly mm-hmm. doing this evaluation. So why wouldn't I be a little bit concerned about falling on my face, even though it really yes. doesn't matter? <laughs> yes, true, and it it sort of goes both ways too. Um, you know, I, I work with college teams as well as younger kids and this, I worked with women, you know, this, all of the stuff that we do with peak nine is transferable across that spectrum. And it, it, the information is fine for boys as much as it is for girls. Right. Um, but you know, with college, a unique part with the college players now is, they're connected to their coach 24 hours a day, 365 days a year by their phones through texting, posting, you know, there's all kinds of different communication platforms. So at any moment as a college athlete, I can be sitting, I can be sitting in class taking a test and my phone beeps and there's a text from my coach, which I don't want to open because I'm taking a test, but right away I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> you know, am I in trouble? Why is, why is coach texting me? Um, you know, parent can text. So it's just this constant um, state of alertness that happens. And um, it goes the other way too. You know, coaches are, are 24 hours a day connected to every player and every parent of every player and every assistant coach and, and boss that they have as well. So, um, you know, a lot of the confidence issues that come up come up because what's happening in their brains, you know, what, what kids are saying to, to themselves when they are imagining what's happening in this situation. So, you know, this constant connectivity just creates more imagination if you're not able to resolve it in an immediate fashion. And that self-talk and the negativity is a huge um, influencer 
on girls in particular, their lack of confidence and lack of self-esteem, low self-esteem. Thank you. I don't think I've ever heard anybody sort of summarize um, problems, the perils of modern living and kind of what that's doing (laughs) to us, but that certainly makes sense. What, so I struggle with, and I think that we all struggle with self-image, but where, where we derive that from, where, where, what's the best source of self-esteem? Oh, the best source of self-esteem. Um, I, yeah, I guess I kind of, yeah, I kind of asked yeah. because these days we're, there's a lot of celebration about just our immutable characteristics. It's there's body positivity. There's I'm a proud this, or I am happy because I am this. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just aware that it's out there. And what I derive my value from, maybe it's just me are the achievements that I've, the things I've done, the things I've worked hard towards. So that's, that's my question. Yeah. uh, That's a, that's a tough question because, you know, part of the issue of building confidence is also understanding. Um, I think I heard somebody say it once. It's an evolution, not a revolution, right? You're not going to do one thing today and then all of a sudden be confident. You're not going to listen mm. to this podcast and go, oh, I heard how I should be confident and then be confident. It takes time. And so that time i mean it's a lifetime really in in a lot of ways but it's a long it's a long process so it's it's not enough to say this is how i identify so now i have better self esteem that that's not really it you know part of it is allowing people to live in their identities they're going to be more comfortable that way um, it's going to make me more confident if people accept me for the I, the way I want to identify, right? That's probably going to increase my self-esteem a little bit. But self-esteem and confidence are, it's such a community. And by community, I mean everything that's around that person. It's a community-driven process, right? So I can work with um, a youth softball team and do a lot of, um, you know, the, the exercises that we do, the activities that we do and help them learn how they can build their skills. Um, in well, we focus on three areas, confidence, courage, and resilience. But if they go home and their parent, uh, they have a parent who kind of talks to them in the opposite way or hurts their confidence or hurts their self-esteem, they're, they're not going to, develop those skills enough you know it's the same if their their parents are great but then they go play for a coach who's constantly cutting them down or you know teachers who tell them um you know you're a girl you can't be an engineer i'm hoping that doesn't happen anymore but you know it does um so it's really about that whole community around um the girls who are developing um but there's not really there's not a short easy answer that and probably nor nor should they be but again i I really i think that you you articulated that really well and those values of confidence courage and resilience 
that really resonates a lot with me and making sure that Mm -hmm. we're positioning ourselves and young people to have those reinforced so that you're not getting different messaging from one person in particular, I'm sure your parents are telling you one thing and then your coach is telling you something totally different that's just counterproductive for sure yes yeah and you know we came up with confidence courage and resilience because you know it's for those folks who are athletes who have done the mental skills training um type of programs or exercises we kind of figured out that everything falls into one of the one of those three buckets it's either a confidence issue, a courage issue, or a resilience issue. And when we talk about confidence with, with athletes or non-athletes, um, you know, first we just talk to them about presence. You know, you have to have some kind of a good, solid, positive presence to have confidence, right? Um, you're not going to do anything great if you're hunched over and, you know, backing away. So presence is key. And we, we use these different words to kind of help the kids understand what it looks like, you know, in, in action. So having said that courage, we talk about action. You just have to do something, right? There's fear of failure and all those things that happen. Um, but you have to try and, and understand it's not going to work out perfectly every time. And that might be as simple as, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not comfortable talking to my coach or asking for things because authority figures all right, next time you go um, to Starbucks, because every kid goes to Starbucks now, you know, just just tell the person behind the counter, thank you, and I hope you have a great day, you know, so you're, you're, you're taking little steps to kind of build up. So courage is action, and then resilience is about response. How are you responding to that situation? Um, and so once we kind of help them see those three buckets, then it's a lot easier for them to, to kind of figure out where do I struggle the most and which one does it fall in? And now what do I have to do to start addressing that? Because uh, I think it's so important for people to understand those three things. They're all skills. They're just skills. Every skill can be taught and every skill can be learned. But if you don't teach someone a skill, they're not going to have it unless they just try to go figure it out and find it out on their own. Sometimes they don't know that they need that skill. So whether you're a 12-year-old girl or a 50-year-old woman, you can learn those skills um, if you're intentional about, about learning those, and they will help you. Um, and we try to categorize what we do as emotion, more like emotional fitness, not necessarily mental skills training, because that has different connotations in the athletic world. Um, but building those skills absolutely makes you a better athlete, whether you're a recreational youth athlete or a college athlete or a professional athlete, makes you a better salesperson. It makes you a better podcaster. You know, it makes you better at whatever you want to do. I absolutely agree. And I love it. Um, Confidence being the presence and how I'm showing up and carrying myself and courage, ability to take action in the face of whether I feel like doing it or I'm scared of doing it or I'm apprehensive. And then resilience is how I respond to the different circumstances that I find myself in when lose or draw. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? 
Yeah, the best place to go is our uh, website. So the website is peak9confidence.com. That's the number nine. So peak9confidence.com. Um, that's really the, the best place. There's a lot of information on there um, for anybody who's looking for more information or the statistics around this um, or who wants to engage with us and um, work with teams or groups. We work all over the country virtually and in person. Um, and uh, yeah, you can reach out to me through there as well. And um, I respond to everything that comes in. So I'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Stephanie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to peak9confidence.com, P-E-A-K, the number nine, confidence.com, and check out all the great resources that Stephanie's been talking about. Um, I know just how valuable it is to actually give somebody the framework or the steps to do something instead of just saying just do it. So I'm really, really grateful <laughs> yeah. for you sharing all of this and really breaking it down because it's given me an enormous amount to think about also. So thank you. Awesome. All right. Thanks, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.